Welcome to Geezer Life, featuring Dave and Jake. Thanks for listening today. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy this episode, please pass it on to a friend. We could really use your help. We need a few more listeners. This week, we're going to be talking about blue hair dining. You know, the old stereotype that old people have when they go to a certain restaurants that serve lower cost meals at the early stage of the dinner hour. And we'll also talk about some repetitive habits geezers and senior women have when they go out to eat. Well, today, we're going to give some more background about that, and as usual, try to do it with a little humor as well. That's right. Uh, well, when I was growing up, the, the term blue-haired special referred to a restaurant dinner that started around 4.30 in the afternoon. When I was growing up, the term blue-haired special referred to a restaurant dinner that started around 4.30 in the afternoon, as this is when many senior citizens, whose hair had a slight blue tint to it, would dine so they could get <laughs> home and get to bed early. Right. This is also used to describe restaurant early bird specials that catered to elderly folks who dined early and would bring their own tea bag <laughs> to save a little money on their collar on their tea. Um, they were easily identified with blue hair rinse. You could picture it. I remember when I was a kid, my parents used to joke about the blue hairs going out to dinner until they became blue hairs themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and that's us now. <laughs> right. That term was very common. It started in like the 1920s, and it really went through the 50s. But it's still out there today, and there's still a few restaurants and diners that offer early bird specials, and they started out being called blue plate specials, sometimes actually served on blue plates. But it's a that part is kind of vanishing tradition. But the phrase is still common in America anyway. Well, to add to the history lesson for this podcast, uh, the origin and the explanation of the phrase is really unclear. Uh, Michael Quinn cites a dictionary entry indicating that the blue plate special were more specifically inexpensive divided plates that were decorated with a blue window or a similar blue pattern, such as those popularized by Spod or Wedgwood, popular dinnerware companies back in the day. One of the correspondents says that the first known use of the term is on an October 22nd 1892 wow. Fred Harvey Company restaurant <laughs> menu and implies a blue plate, plate special were regular features at Harvey Houses in the late 19th century. So that must have been like the first chain restaurant, Harvey House. <laughs> I think so. That was before my time. <laughs> uh, but then alternatively, uh, Kevin Reed says that during the Depression, manufacturers started making plates with separate sections for each part of the meal, kind of like a TV dinner tray. Uh, but it was made out of glass, and it seemed that, for whatever reason, they were available in a blew color. The term became common started in the late, the late 1920s, actually May 27, 1926, advertised in the New York Times of the famous old Seagrill Lobster and Chop House, advertised a la carte, all hours, moderate prices, and 
blue plate specials, so the plate became blue plate specials. <laughs> well, how did it go from blue plate specials to blue hair dining? <laughs> so that started uh, with hair coloring back in the 40s. So just think, before that, people didn't really color their hair. And the, the ladies wanted to achieve that silvery shimmer in their hair as opposed to the natural gray hair that had a yellow tint. And I remember that. Like, my grandma had some of that yellow hair back in the day. You don't see that much anymore. Older women used a blue chemical solution called a blue rinse. Uh, it wasn't that weird of an idea. People had already been brightening their white linens with bluing agents. <laughs> Why not do it with your hair? <laughs> yeah, so almost immediately, beauticians started recommending blue rinses to older women as a way to restore the luster to their gray or kind of icky yellowish white hair. So blue rinses persevered, and blue hair continued to be marketed to older women as a technique for graceful aging. Now, I'll bet you not many of our listeners know that. <laughs> so these women that used to use the blue rinse were actually sophisticated and liked to go out on the town and have a nice dinner. But many were on fixed income, so they looked for the specials. So you guessed it, they found the blue plate special deal, and then blue plate special turned into blue hair dining. Well, you know, thank God for the early in the day discounts because that's what ultimately led to one of my favorite things, which is happy hour. Absolutely. And now just about every bar and restaurant around the world has a cheaper drink hour, like happy hour. But not all restaurants really qualify for the blue hair dining. So geezers have to do a little homework to find those places. I tried Googling blue hair dining and best dining for seniors, and that didn't really help. But in this neck of the woods here in Wisconsin, a lot of the senior or blue hair dining takes place at a thing called a supper club. All the people in Wisconsin know what that is. Oh, but for, for those outside Wisconsin, supper clubs are kind of older restaurant bar combos, and they're usually a few miles out of town, out in the outskirts a little bit. Think kind of wood paneling and brandy old-fashioned cocktail type of a place. Typically, the menu is always the same on these places, fried or baked chicken, prime rib, Fairly affordable steaks and just basic seafood dishes. Old school stuff. Nothing new or fancy. Nothing hard to pronounce. One thing at supper clubs, you'll usually find a salad bar. And seniors, they like that little drive out in the country, so it takes a little longer and becomes more of an event. And it's good to see a few cows on the way to eating some cows. They're usually family-owned businesses, and if you go there regularly, you get the same waitress every week for like years. Yeah. And they get to know you. It's kind of nice. But one thing about supper clubs, it's common for them to make sure you have at least two or three drinks at the bar before they seat you, which also is nice. It helps make a night of it. Gets you a little tipsy, and you usually tip better. But usually your waitress takes your order right at the bar and then seats you at a table when it's ready. And it's ready when she gives a wink to the bartender <laughs> that you've had your third drink. You've had enough drinks. <laughs> so a couple of things are typical at supper clubs. The first is a lazy Susan. You don't see that a lot anymore, but you still do at supper clubs. And it's like a spinning little device that's put on the table, and it features a lot of little stuff like cheese spreads, liver paste, or what they call pate in the big cities, radishes, crackers, pickles, etc. So no need to order appetizer. You get this little spinning tray. And the neat thing about that is actually invented by Thomas Jefferson. Oh, my gosh. Huh. So back then, people's clothes weren't too clean, and they had those big puffy sleeves. Yes. <laughs> he didn't like people's dirty sleeves hanging in the food when they reached over the table. Thus, he created a spinning device so you could just spin it towards yourself. Another thing at supper clubs is the after-dinner ice cream drink. 
So drinks like grasshoppers, brandy alexanders, pink squirrels, white Russians. It's a drink, but it's also a dessert. Right. Thanks, Dave. That's that's super helpful. In fact, uh, we went out the other night to a supper club for dinner, an early dinner, so we must qualify for blue hair specials. <laughs> <laughs> and you usually know the good ones because the parking lot is packed by 4.30. Oh, yeah. And you may even have to wait for a table. We got one not too far down the road from us out on the highway, and that thing is packed at oh, 4, 4.30. Yep, yep. I know what you're talking about. So I do have a funny story that happened at a table next to us. This is a few weeks ago. It wasn't last, uh, last night that we went out, but uh, it's kind of a funny dining experience. Uh, older gentleman walks in with his wife, and they sit down during the blue hair dinner time, and he says, Honey, asking for the waitress, what's the catch <laughs> of the day today? Well, she told him the catch of the day is my, my. The old guy says, Nah. I don't think I, I'm going to have fish today. He said, instead I'll have your chicken teriyaki pressed broccoli. After bringing the food out and the waitress checked back with the customer to make sure everything was fine, the old guy says to her, what kind of fish did you say this was? The waitress, the waitress knew he was eating chicken, <laughs> but didn't want to insult him. So she didn't know really what today. So all she said, the fish of today is my my. Well, I got to remember that, he said. That's the best damn fish I ever eaten. <laughs> That was really a blue hair. <laughs> yeah. So separate clubs are usually set up so the bar and dining room are in separate rooms. And they offer a perfect opportunity to do something that my family used to refer to as dick smithing. So dick what? <laughs> I apologize to anybody out there that actually is named Dick Smith. But my dad knew a guy by that name. And he had a legendary move. So it was to grab a bonus drink that no one else had by leaving the table after being seated. So you sat at the bar, you had your drinks, the waitress came and seated you, and then as you were waiting and enjoying your lazy Susan, you'd say, oh, I have to go to the restroom. But really what you did, because you were walking through the bar to use the restroom, you actually just went up to the bar, ordered a kind of a bonus drink, oh. and just freaking bolted down in two glugs, <laughs> and then come back to the table. And this became a popular and kind of a legendary move in my family. And actually, in our family, we still use the term, and we try to get away with this whenever we're together. Everybody's kind of racing to be the person to do the Dick Smith thing. But the best thing is when you're bolting down your bonus drink across the bar from someone else from your table who's also sneaky one. <laughs> They're doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, God. And we do notice that drinks taste so much better when you're sneaking one in your Well, isn't that the <laughs> truth, too? So, you know, I've seen geezers bring stuff like tea bags or little packets of coffee and then ordering a cup of hot water to save a, a few a few bucks. <laughs> well, I've seen that as well. I haven't done that myself, but I do sneak my own beer under the golf course so I don't have to drink well, very yeah, expensive we stuff. <laughs> and I have done a hip flask or two at outdoor events to top off my soda. Oh, that's right. Or the coffee cup with, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> with not coffee in it. But Pam's grandma, this is kind of a funny little story, is that she used to bring sandwich bags in her purse uh, to the restaurant and then fill them up when she went to the salad bar. And you know these salad <laughs> bars have lettuce, but most of what they have are all the other goodies that you can put on sure. the salad. So she didn't eat much, so she figured, oh, I'm paying for it anyway, so I'm going to just take my fair share and bring her home with me. <laughs> well, you know, it's not just a geezer thing. That's more of a poor person thing <laughs> because I was one. And uh, when we were young and poor, about 18 years old, my buddy Keith and I, we were just punk rock kids at the time, but we were sharing an apartment. We couldn't even hardly afford that, but we'd go to one of the local, they used to have like all-you-can-eat fried chicken places. 
and uh, we'd stuff our faces like crazy, <laughs> and then we'd bring some of the bigger Ziploc baggies with us and stuff those full of chicken to take home to live on during the week. <laughs> they never said anything, but, you know, we went in there in the summer with winter coats on so that no one could see the baggy <laughs> chicken we were walking out with. So uh, sharing a meal, that's another type of a blue hair dining geezer hood type of thing. And actually, Pam Pam and I do that quite often. And we say, I guess we've arrived at old age now. Um, <laughs> but it aggravates us when they do a charge to split the meal. Now, a true supper club would never do that. Right, not it's, a supper club. But no. some of the more modern restaurants, they're going to charge a couple bucks to split the meal. Well, as we get older i just can't eat these giant meals that the restaurants serve anymore i mean it's it's outrageous what they give you so my wife and i almost always split just an appetizer or two and then if you order it as an appetizer you usually don't get the split meal charge right and plus restaurants are so expensive now it's like a hundred bucks for a couple of appetizers and drinks which you know the whole thing's over in an hour so it's a hundred bucks an hour just to be in the place (laughs) So God bless the supper clubs. At least you're there a little bit longer. Right. Uh, Here's another story about sharing a meal. A little old couple walked slowly into a restaurant on one cold evening. The waitress came to take their order, and the old man ordered a hamburger, fries, and a soda, and he told the waitress that they would be sharing their meal. That wasn't unusual, but the waitress, as it happened a lot for older couples, well, she brought them the meal. The old guy had cut the hamburger in half, and placed half of it on front of his wife and one in front of him, and then he carefully counted out the French fries, (laughs) (laughs) divided them equally into two piles before placing the one pile on his wife's plate. He took a sip of the drink, and then his wife took a sip of the drink. Then he set the cup down, and between them, finally started to take little bites out of the hamburger. All the while, a younger guy, not accustomed to seeing people split a meal, started kind of staring at him and whispering to his girlfriend, It was clear that they thought the poor old couple, all they can afford is one meal for the two of them. As the man began to eat his fries, the young man came over to the table and politely offered to buy them an additional meal. Nice. Yeah, you'd think so, but the old guy kind of grunted and said, that was fine, we're used to sharing everything, he said. Then they noticed the old lady still hadn't taken a bite out of her food. She just sat there watching her husband eat. The young man came over once more and begged them to let him buy a meal. This time, the old lady spoke up. No, thank you. We are used to sharing every single meal, she echoed her husband. Finally, the old man finished his half of the meal, and still his wife hadn't taken a bite. Well, the young man sitting next couldn't stand it anymore, came over to their table, and for the third time he asked the old lady, what is it that you are waiting for? Without looking or hesitating, she said, I'm waiting for the teeth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's that's fucking fantastic <laughs> <laughs> well blue hairs don't hesitate complaining about a meal that's not just right either like steak that's not cooked right a piece of perch that's a little too small or the whole overall meal's expensive or a drafty restaurant yeah you get the idea well that's okay i mean that's kind of how we learned it as we grew up we learned that from our parents it's part of the old customers always right philosophy that we grew up with but I'll tell you what, if we go out to eat, my kids are mortified if I complain about anything. <laughs> yeah. They just accept it, and then they write a bad review on Yelp. <laughs> yeah. And for sure, any leftovers get packed up, and that'll be lunch tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I was growing up, my parents owned a small little cafe diner, and they know the business from the working side of the counter. So after my dad passed, 
when my mom would go out, she figured anything that got set on a table was fair game. So with her purse, she regularly took like the little packets of butter, salt, pepper, ketchup, little jelly, <laughs> and, and for sure any rolls that she didn't eat that were left oh, over. Oh, for sure. So you grew up in a depression, so she never wasted anything. And honestly, that kind of rubbed off on me. And while I don't take stuff at restaurants, we waste virtually nothing at home. But the best moment with my mom, she was probably about 65 or so at the time. We uh, took her on vacation out to see my brother in Philadelphia. And we went to this kind of weird club. It had a rock concert at 7 o'clock, which I can't believe we took my mom here. But it's Robin Trower. So for those of you who really don't know Robin, he was like a Jimi Hendrix type guy. Oh, really? Heavy rock. Crazy. We took my 65-year-old mom to this. But after the show, which got done at like nine, the place then turned into a disco. So you had to leave, walk out, and then get in a little line and pay again to come back in. Well, so they had like a cover for the disco. <laughs> yeah, cover for the it. disco. Yeah. But my mom had just ordered a Michelob Ultra in a bottle. Took like one sip when the lights came on, and the bouncers come by and they go, "Okay, you gotta leave now." Well. I was probably in my late 20s when this happened. She started screaming, age discrimination, (laughs) I'm on a fixed income, you can't do this. And the poor guy, he felt so bad, he didn't know what to do. He took the bottle, opened her purse, stood the bottle up in there and said, get the hell out of here. (laughs) So she could leave and drink the bottle of beer out in the line. That's where we get back in the disco. (laughs) Now I know where you get it from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, now you know. So now that we're geezers, we finally get it. it. We get the early dining, and similar to our recent episode of Now We Get It, things we get. So we get the early dining, a couple of things. You could beat the rush. Right. Uh, also, you avoid the background noise. You know, it's harder for the older people to hear in a real mm-hmm. noisy supper club like that. Of course, you get to save a few bucks on the early bird special prices. Yep. And I think this is an important thing. You get to dine with people of a similar age, make some friends at the bar. It's kind of like a little social event. Right. You might even see your friends. There. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you eat at the appropriate time when it's time to take your medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought of that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh. You usually got to take your medicine with your supper, right? So then it's usually around 4 or 5 o'clock. You eat before your blood sugar drops too low. You avoid that late night acid reflux. Oh, yeah. Of course, you get to take advantage of the happy hour. And, you know, you're ready to go by 4 o'clock after a long day of not working. I mean, <laughs> like for me, I'm up at like 4 in the morning. So by 4 in the afternoon, I'm ready to go do it's, something. It's dinner man. time, right. Yeah. Another thing, especially for those who are do have some depression or dementia, you avoid what's called sundowning. And so that's, my mom had this really bad one. The sun would go down at night. She'd would just get a whole different look on her face and seem oh, really? very depressed. Yeah. It's it's hard for the folks um, when it gets dark out, especially in a winter like this. And you don't have to drive in the dark, or not as much anyway, or fall in the icy parking yeah. lot, which <laughs> sounds funny, but that happened to me. It screwed up my back for years. So we don't want to be falling in parking lots anymore at this age. Of course, you get home in time to have a nightcap. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's important. Got to do that. And of course, uh, even time for a quick poop before <laughs> bed so you can make it through the night. I knew you wouldn't leave that one out. <laughs> so, friends, we'd like to hear from you. And you're any blue hair dining stories that you can contact us at thegeezerlife at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at The Geezer Life or follow us on Instagram, The Geezer Life Podcast. Hope to hear from you soon about all your dining experiences and any other topics you'd like us to discuss on the podcast. 
Skeezer Life is written, directed, produced, and edited by Dave and Jake. We do it all ourselves, except when we have to reach out to younger people to help us remember what buttons to push. If you enjoy our podcast, please like and subscribe and even leave us a review. Let us know what topics you would like to see us address here on Geezer Life. We could really use the support so we don't have to live out our final years camping under a bridge, which is a really hard place to do a podcast from. Yeah, help us get better, because we're working hard at it when we could be napping instead. We now have several ways to contact us. Email at thegeezerlife at gmail.com, Facebook at thegeezerlife, and Instagram, thegeezerlifepodcast. Until then, see you next time, unless we keel over in the meantime. So eliminate the